The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. That's not the sound butterflies make at all. (laughs) (laughs) That said, actually, there's some types of moths, though, that make weird noises that they use to mess with bats' echolocation. That's a great adaptation to survive. Yes. So good for them. (laughs) Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Welcome to the Science of Pokemon, where we (laughs) half-heartedly try to understand nature, apparently. Hey, I do nature understanding with a full heart and open mind (laughs) to say no legitimately thank you guys uh for joining us today we're going to talk about uh butterflies and moths uh we have a great guest back today to talk with us phd candidate lydia from the ohio state university the v is very important (laughs) it's very important (laughs) And we're going to talk all about butterflies and moths. Um, I'm excited to talk about animals. I know we've been doing a lot of non-animal episodes lately, and I know there's a lot of you who are like, hey, guys, I came to this show because I want to hear about the animals. And I'm sorry, I'm not Lucas. Hey, as an animal person, I joined the show to talk about animals, too. So I feel your pain. We got it. We got it coming up. Um, I know. I know. This episode's going to be great. So let's cue the music. All right, let's go into the news. We'll hit some Pokemon news first. Don, you had some. Yes, relatively recent slash not super recent because um all our events are canceled and we're sad. But we do know what the G-Max moves of all the starters do in their G-Max forms. So as we know, Rillaboom gets like a super sweet drum set. Cinderace gets a big fireball thing. And Inteleon, Inteleon gets a gun. So good for it. Harpoon <laughs> um, gun. I love Inteleon. <laughs> they're like, what should we do? And one guy's like, what if we just give it a gun? And like, yeah, do it. <laughs> Basically, though, the they G-Max, all do the same thing. Yes. So the, all of the G-Max, new GX moves they ignore abilities of the opponents. Yep. Which is awesome because you can essentially you can like your Inteleon can then punch Gastrodon in the face. Yes. Previously, it could just snipe shot around the Gastrodon. Now it could punch the Gastrodon or around the <laughs> Gastrodon. But I feel like it's an interesting dichotomy because like especially with so once really Boom gets Grassy Terrain as its hidden ability. It really doesn't need, you know, max grass to set up grassy terrain. But yep. does Cinderace still want to set the sun? Or does Inteleon still want to have the option to set up rain? Which it won't have if you're on G-Max. With, like, G-Max um, Cinderace, who is going to have, was it Librero? Or have you said yeah. it? Yeah. Knockoff Protein. That one probably won't really care that much if it sets the sun, because it's going to be swapping up its types anyway. Yep, every other move. <laughs> yeah, which a friend of mine was saying, he was saying the new big brain move is going to be to run uh, G-Max uh, Cinderace without a fire move. Because <laughs> you have the G-Max, people are going to expect like, the big fire move. So I don't, I'm not really sure who the real winner is. <laughs> We're going to throw a rock move at you instead. Yeah, I'm not really sure who the big winner is. I feel like it might be... Inteleon. Um, well, Inteleon gets a gun, so he's super cool. But I feel like it might be Rilla... Like, assuming we get these when we also get their hidden abilities, I think Rillaboom might benefit a lot because he's going to just have a stupidly powerful grass move to throw out because it'll be auto-boosted by grassy terrain, which will be cool. So I have another Pokemon news. 
Ash finally got a Ryolu. Oh, did he? Yeah! Dude, this new anime, like, I haven't watched it at all, but, like, he's gotten cool stuff. He got a Dragonite, a Gengar, and now a Ryolu. I remember the Dragonite because there were memes about it. Well, and then he got a Gengar, and now he's got a Ryolu. I mean, like, that's the coolest team ever. I mean, yeah. I'm not biased because I, I happen to love all three of them very much and own all of their plush. But I can't yeah. wait for him to re- let them all loose for no real reason when he moves to his next Shut region. up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we got science news. Uh, you had one first. What was your really yes, cool okay. one? Okay. So this your is a happy kinda, one. This is, I'll say this is a happy one. Yeah. So as we know, I mean, this is a real relatable problem for all of us, right? Don't, like I personally have always been really You're bothered with your whale sharks. I can't tell how old whale sharks are. Luckily, recently scientists have made a breakthrough with determining the age of whale sharks. So what whale sharks, there's an interesting thing. Cut it open and count the rings, right? You're not that far off, actually. Um, Whale sharks' vertebra has alternating stripes of opaque and translucent tissue, like as they age, similar to like how the rings are on a tree. But scientists didn't know at what time frame those alternating rings were added like you know was like every three months every six months every year so you could not like they clearly had a even distribution to them but we know the time frame they did some new measurements of carbon 14 in the vertebra carbon 14 was produced in like 1950s and 60s nuclear weapons flex offs between america and the soviets which built up in the atmosphere and oceans and now by you looking at like that various buildups of carbon 14 in the different vertebral bands compared to how we know that it was present in the seawater surface now uh researchers have estimated that each band forms pretty much a year apart so now we know that each oh. ring is a year apart just like a tree so that let us okay. date like there was a 10 meter male so whale this shark only works when they're already dead <laughs> yeah well the, the the two whale sharks in question were two that they were already dead no whale sharks were okay. harmed in the finding of the study <laughs> okay good but there was a 10 a 10 meter whale shark steve Irwin's ghost would be really angry <laughs> yes so there was a 10 meter whale shark which is like 30 something feet in freedom units yes, um, like found that, yeah. off Taiwan and that was about 35 years old and then there was a female of the same size that was collected in Pakistan and she was around 50 so Whoa. we know male whale sharks do grow a touch faster than the females wow. or at least at least these two cases maybe it was a water temperature thing because it could affect the growth rates of sharks yeah but because we know whale sharks can grow up to 18 meters we can assume that those are much much older than now we know like a, t- a 10 meter female was like around 50 so who knows how old an 18 meter female is because yeah that's crazy slow down. to even do the math on man that's crazy yeah well i have other science news that's not as exciting so we talked about the locusts uh in africa a few months ago go we're about to get another wave eat them yeah and 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 so so here's the the issue is that africa is going to be hit by not only the coronavirus because it hasn't really spread through as quickly africa is getting it now obviously they're going to get a new wave that is literally 20 times bigger than the last one like so many people are at risk because of this because of you know the virus is spreading you have diseases from the bugs you, you know you have famine because of the amount of food they eat like this is a real problem so i i'm not sure i know i know you had a solution <laughs> not that americans would like it but I, I, I hey as an american i think they're delicious i've eaten locusts before yeah i mean i do think that's a possibility yeah it's just, it's crazy man it's and it's likely that there's going to be another wave in June and July because the 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 hot climate that is because of the earth warming is making the the mating conditions like favorable for these animals. Yes, it's also everyone another one for um Armageddon Bingo. You know, we got yeah. the plague, we had a 
swarm of locusts. We have another swarm of locusts. Krakatoa just erupt. Um, <laughs> so we're just it's just going good. Um, yeah, I've got I've got I've got good odds. I've got good odds on um, meteor strike in the next three months. Personally, so we'll so, see how that so goes. I, I do want to say this as a scientist in me, humans, especially as the person on this show who studied people and not physical sciences, which I appreciate you guys. You or you two are awesome, you and Lucas. Humans tend to overgeneralize things, look for patterns, and look for reason. Look, a lot of the disasters and incidents we've had from the past two years are linked to climate change. A lot of them. And some of the ones like earthquake increase are not necessarily linked to climate change, but are linked to human activity, like more drilling and, and frack. So I just want to remind everyone that while we may be looking for a reason why all this is happening, and we may want to look for an easy solution, like, oh, it's end of the world. It's not. We've been here before. Humanity went through this literally a hundred years ago through the Dust Bowl. Same, you know, same kinds of things. There was all sorts of issues happening around the world because of practices and colonialism and World War One, and we had all these things. And people were like, "Oh, it's the end of the world. The sun will come out tomorrow." I promise you all, and all of us together can find solutions to our problems. We're not alone. Fair enough. Very inspirational words. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to be the calm, level head. I'm trying my hardest, especially trying to run, you know, the network and stuff. I and and uh, the other organization I just started. I'm trying to be the calm, level head. I'm trying. I don't know if I'm succeeding because I'm not necessarily <laughs> the most serious person, but I am trying. That said, I want to give you guys some network news. We are in the planning process of more charity events. I will update all of you as soon as we're ready to go. But legit, come hang out with us. There's a group of you semi-regularly. We're doing events constantly now. Like Literally, we're recording this on a Thursday, and there's an event going on right now tonight. There's an event tomorrow. There's an event Saturday. (laughs) There's two events next week, or three events next week. Like We're trying to keep things active during this time because we know how hard this is. Without uh, without anything else, let's uh, move on, and let's talk about butterflies, something that's a little more exciting to talk about. Ready? Onward. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. So we uh, have our have uh, Lydia here uh, once again from the Ohio State University, not Ohio State or not Ohio University. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big distinction there, correct? Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you have to include the in the title. The is the my is understanding. Very <laughs> my dad actually went there. He was yeah. He's very adamant about the V. <laughs> so did my stepdad. And a- actually, terrible side tangent. Um, I often feel like his children don't know him very well because the only gifts they buy him for his birthday every year are the Ohio State gear. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been like, does he have other interests? I mean, to be I, fair, I have learned his other interests and I've bought him his other interests. <laughs> honestly, people who are super into OSU, I feel like that is their main interest. So <laughs> I don't know. He likes Beatles too. I bought. He loved it when we found him a copy of Yellow Submarine. <laughs> There you go. Another one. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so we've brought Lydia back. Um, you, you are a, a how do how do I say this again? <laughs> An entomologist. Entomologist. My my words. I'm telling you what. My wife has been making fun of me this week because I don't know if it's stress or exhaustion, but my head and words this week has been pronouncing everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Like my wife is like, you speak well. I'm like, I'm happy you're making. I'm happy you're enjoying this because this is very frustrating. 
Uh, uh, come on, the sun's going to come out. I know it's coming out. All right, so we brought you back because we're going to do a great episode on butterflies and moths. So I have to ask you, what is a butterfly? So a butterfly um, is a member of the insect order Lepidoptera. Moths are also part of this order. So these are two different uh, distinctions within that group. So they are distinguished by having those really large wings that are covered with scales. So if you pick up a, happen to pick up a dead butterfly or just a butterfly in general and you brush your finger against their wing, you'll get the scales all over your finger. That's what distinguishes them from other insect orders. Okay, so then what's a moth? A moth... (laughs) So a moth is anything in that group that's not a butterfly. (laughs) Okay, that's great. So wait, though, are they are they are they really different then? Yeah, they're like distinct. They're not. It's not like a, all frogs or all toads are frogs sort of thing, but they're separate within the group. Yeah. Or like tortoises and turtles. Oh, yeah. All tortoises are turtles. <laughs> <laughs> they are uh, separate. So there's like morphological distinctions between them. So you can, of course, there's always exceptions to these rules. So these are generalities. But butterflies generally hold their wings up like up together when they are resting whereas a moth will hold them out either completely splayed out or they kind of fold them over their back most butterflies have really thin antenna with a little club at the end whereas a moth antenna is usually feathery although there are some that have a thin without that clubbed end although there are also moths that have a clubbed thin antenna as well so that's not even <laughs> perfect diagnosis um Moths do have this uh, cool little mechanism on their wings that it's almost like a hook and latch that holds the forewing and the hindwing together so that they beat in tandem. Butterflies also beat their wings in tandem, so both move at exactly the same time, but they don't have this hook and latch mechanism. It's more of that their wings overlap. So the... Hmm. Four wing goes on top of the hind wing. Then, of course, most of the time butterflies are more colorful, though there are exceptions, and most of the time moths are less colorful. Oh, of course, there are exceptions. I was going to say that there's quite a few on our list here that, that are exceptions then. Yeah, I mean, the ones that people would actually go out and base Pokemon are going to be the ones that are more charismatic and people actually want to look at rather than uh, little brown moths, which is... Hey, hey, brown moth Pokemon. hey, if it was good enough for Gandalf, it's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, That was kind of a neat moth, though. Yeah. Okay, wait. Sorry. So can I ask you a question then? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, I heard you say, and, and I've heard other, other, other people in your field talk about this, like I heard you say that there are now moths like like we know of moths with similar antenna as butterfly. Why are like the differences harder to tell now? Um so I mean the thing is what we call butterflies is a I don't know if how many of your listeners are super into phylogeny and evolutionary history but they make up their own like evolutionary group. So okay. The distinction of being a butterfly is super well supported but the distinction of being a moth is not. So huh. not all moths come from the same common ancestor, but 
butterflies do. Wait, can I ask a, a side oh. question real quick? Yeah. Um, like how old, evolutionarily speaking, are like butterflies in terms of like overall insects? Are they like relatively recent, or are they like one of the OGs? They're relatively recent. They would be one of the more uh, recent groups. Okay, cool. Huh? Their closest relative okay, are actually caddisflies. Ooh, caddisflies. Oh. Have you seen the caddisfly uh, jewelry people sell? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's really cool. I okay, have no idea what the jewelry looks like. I, I, I'm going to have to go look this up later. Tubes of shiny stuff. Yeah. I guess. Okay, so then like... That's what it looks like. It's tubes. It's just huh. tubes. <laughs> so, so, but that, that's odd then. So like not all moths have a common ancestor. So that's almost like, I don't know, most mammals and like marsupials then. Um, I mean, Where like you end up with things, you end up with things like like the um, the uh, what's it called, the Tasmanian tiger, where it looks like you know a tiger or a dog, but it's related to neither. <laughs> yeah, would be something like that. I mean, it's just that mostly it's just I you would more just call them lepidopterans, and then butterflies are a group of them, and everyone else is their own thing. Huh. That's really interesting. I, 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 I think I get this now. Okay. So what is the life cycle like for butterflies and moths? So they are a holometabolous insect, so they go through complete metamorphosis. So this means that they have an egg stage and then a larval stage where all lepidopterans have a caterpillar. So that's both moths and butterflies. So their larvae all look like a caterpillar. They've got their three pairs of legs, and then they've got pro legs as well, which aren't true legs, but they're kind of kind of function similarly. And then they will all go into a pupal stage, which is either a cocoon or a chrysalis, and then they uh, hatch out as adults, or emerge as adults. Would you mind explaining the difference between a cocoon and a chrysalis for us? Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. A cocoon is uh, spun out of silk. Whereas a chrysalis is going to be more made out of hardened proteins. Okay, so like the classic monarch butterfly, like green one, is like the classic kind of chrysalis I think of. And then just like silk ball thing is cocoon. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then... So this this is very similar then to like Pokemon, where you have like, you know, like the early stage, like Squirtle... And then kind of like that middle stage where you're like, uh, uh, and then you get the really cool stage. In you the could end just use oh, the three cool stage blast. bug Pokemon since we're talking about bug Pokemon. <laughs> but like that, that's really it though. Like that's, that's what Pokemon is based off of is more metamorphosis and not like actual evolution. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's my next question because I want to know this for selfish reasons because I am growing a garden. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, lie. I did. I have one too. Okay. Don't try to claim garden. You're not. Oh no. We just, we just ordered, we just ordered uh, a lot of dirt. <laughs> like, uh, just, I think, I think like just... nine, nine or 10 cubic yards of dirt. I've been to your house. You have dirt. It's just, you, you no, got no, no. some. It's your yard. Uh, raised, raised bed gardens. I'm putting them in. Ah uh, yes, that's what we have Around in our the yard. house, though. Actually, yeah, yeah, we have that. Um, so, anyways, uh, what roles do these things play in their ecosystem? The, the butterflies and moths. So, a lot of them are herbivores. So, they, um, in their immature state, a lot of them feed on 
plants, so they feed on leaves. So that's why there's so many that are actually economic pests, because they <laughs> they can destroy crops. But um, <laughs> but then you get to adults, and a vast majority are pollinators. So they can be either generalists or they can be the only pollinator for a specific type of plant. So they're important both from an economic and also ecological standpoint. So that's why butterflies in particular are the ones that people focus on, although moths have a really big role in this as well, particularly for plants that are open nocturnally. It's like, I know there's, um, I can't remember the name. There's, I used to have one in my yard. I used to have a cactus in my yard. And there used to be a really cool moth that would always be hanging out around it at night. Um, I want to say it was like a sphinx moth did or you something. Know, do you know he uh, was cool? Like, did he wear like a leather jacket and shades? It was just, it was neat looking. It wasn't just brown, so that made it neat looking. But it wasn't like, hey, what's up, Don? Yeah, it was actually just like that. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. I think like one of the classic stories of um, co-evolution of a uh, organism co-evolving a specific relationship with a plant is a example of a moth that's got this absurdly long tongue so they oh i know i know the one you're talking about i have seen stuff about this one yeah just a just a huge 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 mouth part so it can get into this skinny little flower yeah i'm i'm googling it right now the hummingbird hawk moth yes yes that one yes everyone listening should google it it's proboscis is like just like from these it looks like it's like Two or three times its body length. It's wild. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like, I want an uncom. I now want an uncomfortably like long tongued moth Pokemon. Please. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Like lick a tongue, but with Butterfree. Yes. Oh. That's. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I think it'd be beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Is it just the tongue, or is it like Beautifly where it has the mouth? Just just a tongue. No mouth. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the proboscis is their mouth. It's all the mouth parts fused together, basically. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's, uh, let's move on and let's talk about some actual Pokemon. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, we're going to jump into... Seriously, I've always thought this one is adorable, and they only made one plush of it, and it was stupid expensive, so I never bothered to buy it or like it anymore. Stupid, annoying, no, it's gorgeous, Beautifly. Yeah? You guys know Beautifly? Yeah. yeah. So it's supposed to be based on a swallowtail butterfly. Um, however, because it like can pierce its prey, it has links to like a vampire moth. So any any what's a swallowtail butterfly? Any well, there's a bunch of them, nothing. right? Yeah, it's a family. Okay, so it's like a large family then? Yeah, a pretty large family. There's a lot of them around. They they they're supposed to be Now I know they're supposed to be tropical kind of, right? They're they are can be found basically on any continent. They're a pretty okay. cosmopolitan group. Look at that. They're hip. Yeah, there's yeah. like So they're like they're Go ahead. So I know we have in Florida. I've seen it. I think it's the Eastern Tiger Swallowtail, um, which also looks a lot like the one that's in Animal Crossing. To everyone that is playing that right now, while stuck in quarantine, 
that's the only one I'm really particularly familiar with. And that one's like kind of yellow with black stripes going on. Yeah. Huh. We have those up, up in Ohio as well. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. I was actually up by Lake Erie one summer doing, taking a class Ooh. field zoology. And I was trying really hard to catch a swallowtail. Um, and I'm very bad at catching butterflies for an entomologist because they fly away really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I was running across the field trying to catch this thing and got my foot stuck in a hole and just completely <laughs> fell on the ground. Oh, I I know the feeling. I was helping someone do uh when I was in college. I helped someone, an entomology student, do some wasp research, and Ooh. um, Sounds super dangerous. fun to chase the caterpillar wasps through fields when they're like are actively trying to avoid you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. Super dangerous. I'm out. <laughs> well, the other thing is based on that vampire moth. Now that I've heard of, those are those are a moth that they actually drink blood from vertebrates. I knew I've heard of them. They're they're like really rare though. I've heard I've heard though that they they can drink blood from humans, but it's not like a risk or anything, and they don't really harm anything. But I think that ties in in the Pokemon, and especially because they talk about it. I'm pretty sure, like in the in the Dex entry, talks about it, like drinking the blood of its enemies. There's also one that drinks tears, if I remember right. <laughs> Jesus, the Pokédex entries for these games. You know, did you ever see? Um, there's a dorkly literal Pokédex entries like videos, and my wife and I happened upon them the other day. I've already seen them all, but she watched like some of it with me, and she's like, "These are stupid." Like she's like, "Who wrote these in these games?" <laughs> A madman, a madman wrote them. But yeah, so that would make sense, though, that Beautifly would be based on kind of like a swallowtail, though, like a kind of common butterfly, because, you know, it kind of comes across as kind of a common thing. It's not like it's anything super tremendous. Oh, yeah, so there is a type of moth. Sorry, I would say the I just Googled the tear drinking moth, and there's some pictures of this type of moth. Uh, Gorgon Macaria, I guess, um, that is in the uh, Amazon, and it drinks the tears of sleeping birds. So that's Oh, a- yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, So that's I mean, a thing. That's a thing. Sense. I mean, trying huh. to get, they, they're trying to get the stuff that's in your tears. Yeah, I mean, they could just congregate outside Pokemon events, though, and, like, clean up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, on that joke, let's talk about a not-average butterfly. Let's talk about Frost moth, because it's a moth. And snom. It's not, not a butterfly. Snom, and snom. The precious. Uh, but precious frost moth. Baby. It, it, so uh, you two told me how to pronounce this. How do we pronounce it? It's based off of. Uh, Guy, is it gynomorpho? We said. Yeah. That's Maybe. what I'm. Gynophora. <laughs> oh, yeah, gyn- gynophora. Gynophora, not gynomorpho. Yeah, gynophora. Or also possibly Arctic moths, um, the Arctic woolly bear moth. And a lot of that ties into the fact that they, those moths can survive in temperatures up to negative uh, 70 Celsius or negative 94 Fahrenheit, which is insane. I don't think I can survive in that cold, and I've lived in Ohio my whole life. Yeah, that's not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But legitimately, so I think it's kind of cool. These animals, you know, they're found in like alpine or Arctic or subarctic regions, which is really cool. Uh, they have long larval. La, la, how do you, you guys said long larval? larval de- thank you. They have long larval development periods, and yeah, you know it's kind of crazy. Like I guess like their their life cycle is supposed to be like something like fourteen years, 
Now, now, would that just be because they live in a colder region? They have like a slower metabolism. I mean, I don't, I don't think that it's really known as to why. Um, I mean, the reason that it is extended so long is because each of their instars, which is each like basically growth checkpoint and larval development, lasts really long. Wait, wait, it's real quick. Instar, that's like it's like time between molts is like what an instar is, or is it just like growth rate? sizes is the time it's the developmental period between a molt okay i've always heard instar and that's kind of what i guessed it was but i was never really sure until this moment thank you yeah time between the immature molts they don't actually once they become adults they're stuck as how big they are okay fair enough um okay cool well and and we looked up the arctic woolly bear i looked up the cat the, the moth and the caterpillar. I mean, it does make sense, especially with the temperature that that effect there. But Don, you brought up, um, you both brought up a very different caterpillar. What did you guys bring up? Snom is a jewel caterpillar. Yes. Also, it's god and beautiful. <laughs> well, and I looked it up. So the the jeweled caterpillar. Um, I mean, it's almost what would you say? That's uh, uh, translucent. Yeah. It's covered in a gelatinous mass. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> but like when it when it, it it goes through metamorphosis, the moth it becomes while it's orange and it looks nothing like frost moth. It's very furry, like almost like it's wearing like a fur coat. Yeah, yeah, and that. yeah, it kind of it kind of fits frost moth with like the amount of fuzz on it. Frost moth's kind of fuzzy, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I used one with my second playthrough, like. Sh- they kind of got that. that I use it on have my first cut. playthrough. Its name was Snom Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was Mothra. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I I definitely see the connections there. But I I do see that it has the connection to this other other animal, you know, with the the Arctic uh, woolly bear moss, uh, just because, especially having those those long development periods and the, the ability to live in the cold. Uh, the next one though we have on our list could not live in the cold. Well, it's Volcarona. Cause. Yeah, Volcarona. So this thing's based on of an atlas moth, or how do we say that? Cecropia. Cecropia, thank you. We've talked about it in other episodes, like our Egypt episode. It does have some links to things like Mothra and other stuff, and we'll talk about that in another episode. But I want to talk about the atlas moth. So this is a moth that I know it has a very small body, but it has gigantic wings, right? And they have like that that like reddish brown pattern on them. If you're and playing Animal of... Crossing, you've caught one right now, probably, or scared them away and gotten mad about it. Absolutely. Oh, they're they're, they're in that game. Yes, they're in Animal Animal Crossing has a very like enjoyable amount right now of lepidopterans that are catchable. Really, and yeah. so they're all based from the real world too. Yes. It's funny because huh. the pictures the pictures of them in the game are like almost photorealistic, and then the rest of it's super cartoony. So it's like kind of fun. Yeah, they really they really upped the resolution on their insects and bu- their insects oh, and uh, fish. Oh, it's so funny as a fish person slash semi bug person. I love it because it's just such a uh, like departure from the rest of the game. Like it's just so funny to me that how realistic they look compared to everything else. Well, I've not played the game yet. Get uh, it? Well, I was going to buy it. I actually, uh, we rented the one for the 3DS for my wife. I'll give you uh, couple, fruit several months ago. It didn't come to my island. 
we we rented it several months ago, and I was like, "Hey, you might like this game," because I'm not I'm not really a huge gamer. There's a few games I like, and she didn't like it, so we said, "Okay." The new on. one really feeds my god complex with the whole creating your <laughs> island and stuff. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So anyway, so the Atlas Moth, uh, but but the the other thing, the Cecropia Moth. Yep. I have I have seen these. These these are these are from North America, right? They're like these gigantic moths. Yeah, they they can be found in um North America as well. The really interesting thing about these is that uh these moths actually were used in some of the really first experiments to find juvenile hormone, which is this <laughs> Okay. It's a really important hormone in insect physiology. So they, this particular species that they're based on is really important for the field of entomology, which I think is pretty cool. If you ever want to be just like super horrified, look up the experiments that they used to find this stuff out. It involved things like decapitating bugs and attaching them to another bug to see if like the stuff from one bug could come in and then change the physiology of the other. You know, I have actually, I, I, I've actually found one of these. I found one that was like dying. It's because they're members of the No Mouth Gang. <laughs> the what? The No Mouth Gang. I don't know what that means. Is that most lepidopterans don't have any like chewing mouth parts? Okay. Their mandibles basically have kind of fused together to make a proboscis, so most of them don't have a mouth. As we would think. Huh. Okay, that's kind of creepy and scary at the same time. Yeah, it's like at that point, their main purpose is to just find another one and mate. So food is sort of an afterthought, right? Yeah. They're... Wait, wait, what? <laughs> well, I mean, mayflies don't have, literally don't have mouths. Mayflies just don't have a mouth at all. Yeah. So how do they get Cicada- food? Do cicadas have a mouth? I'm pretty sure cicadas have mouths. I know they spend a lot of time being like little underground fellas so i was wondering if they even took the time to have mouths once they got to not be that oh so they, they eat all of their nutrients as like their larval stage yeah interesting well anyways the the uh cecropia i i have found one that was dying and i gotta say like my first impression of seeing this was like oh my gosh this looks a lot like volcarona i mean like the white and red body you know the coloration on the wings they're very pretty though so I, I just, yeah, and they're huge, right? Yeah. Biggins. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I remember uh, I sent a picture of it because I didn't know what it was because I know nothing about this stuff. I'm not like you guys. I sent a picture to uh, my friend, Dr. Horton, who's been on the show before. <laughs> well, he was working on his doctorate and he went and found an entomologist in like the lab down the hall. <laughs> he was like, my idiot friend found this. What is it? <laughs> But I remember, like, because, I mean, it was, like, it had to have been at least eight to nine inches wingspan, at least. Like, the wingspan was huge. So, yeah, it definitely reminds me of Volcarona. I mean, they're just, they're just, they're big boys and girls. That's, like, the one thing I hope that they add to the format for this season where we can't compete anymore. But I, I miss uh, Volcarona. Volcarona's supposed to be coming. It's coming in one of the next, uh, next things. Good. I can't wait to not take it to events. Because we don't have any more. <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll find a way. Life will find a way, as Ian Malcolm once said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about some more. 
All right, so let's talk about another moth that is not as cool. <laughs> Dustox. I mean, I think it's cool. I think Dustox is one of those rare Pokemon where the real-life version is cooler than it is. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Uh, yeah, so Dustox... Actually, yeah, that's... Well, the last one I can think of that we talked about was Stunfisk. <laughs> Dustox has ties to uh, a Japanese uh, lunar moth. Um, and so you guys know a little bit more about a lunar moth than I do. What, what, what's a lunar moth? Uh, it's a specific, um, specific genus of moths. So a lot of them are these the kind of green ones that you might see. They've got the really long kind of tails on their hind wings. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the picture, like like the wings kind of do remind me of dust dustox. Like they look like something something that like poison dust would come off of. <laughs> but that's not the only thing. Is that the other thing is that I look at that and or so the other thing is that I don't know if you've ever seen. There's a there's a Pokemon episode where where dustox. I think it's the one where it leaves. Does and... every butterfly Pokemon leave in <laughs> the anime? Like <laughs> yeah, what? So the episode where it leaves and. And it leaves like during a mating thing, but it's during like a full moon. <laughs> <laughs> the special rare full moon is when Dustox mates. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's uh, true for actual Luna <laughs> <laughs> They went with the Luna moth and ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> ran According with it. Right, some so quick Googling, though, the Luna moth's adult life is only like seven to ten days. <laughs> maybe that's why they seem to be rare like they're not rare but they're just um their adult time is very uh short and the rest of the time they're just a caterpillar <laughs> poor dust ox <laughs> that would make sense oh that's why you all put it in your in your box the second you got something better <laughs> Do it, does it get sleep powder in which case i probably use it all game and if it doesn't i didn't i don't remember actually um Anyways, let's move on to Venomoth, um, which is kind of a combination of two things. So there's like a thoughts of inspirations from toxic tiger moths as well as toxic swallowtails. Now, we talked a little bit about swallowtails, um, but Don, you said you had a story about swallowtails. Oh, yes. So when I was a young lad many moons ago, I would go to this farmer's market with my parents, and there was a guy there that would sell the caterpillars of various native butterflies or lepidopterans because there were some moths too. And he would throw in like their preferred plant to eat on because a lot of species have a preferred plant, right? Yeah. 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 So he'd sell some of that. And um, one of the ones they would always have would be the uh, Eastern tiger swallowtail, I believe, which is like a little green caterpillar, kind of big, fat head, kind of has like fake snake eyes on it. And when we get upset, it would put up this like uh, foul smelling little like forked thing right above it that I think was meant to be like a fake snake tongue also. Um, and like when, if you look up like pictures of it with the forked little thing out, it looks like it, it screams like I'm Caterpie. It's, <laughs> it's super dead on. Well, like, and I remember you, you are, you are a firm believer in the, the fan conspiracy theory that, that mean, somehow Venonat and Caterpie were switched. That they, yeah, they wake up, to different wake up, sheeple. Okay, so here it is, right? Look at look at the body and the mouth parts of Venonat, and then look at Butterfree. It's slightly <laughs> smaller fangs with an extra body segment. If you look at Metapods, dumb little pointy head bit, 
and compare that to Venomoth's dumb little pointy head bit, it's the same. And they also have the same eyes. So they swapped them at some point. <laughs> you think you think someone accidentally switched the cards like in the planning stage and was like, all right, oops, we're stuck now? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> also, Matt, you should uh you should look up the Eastern Tiger Swallowtail Caterpillar and you'll see why I'm saying it's Caterpie. Like right now. Sure. So anyways, uh Tiger Moss, so uh what are what are those? Hey, they're really beautiful looking neotropical moths. So they're often like... uh often owned by the Joe Exotic moth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But they're so they're very beautiful and they're like like subtropic. Okay. Yeah, they're they um, really striking wing patterns, so But they also they have hairy caterpillars, right? Yes. Oh, it's Ooh, these things. Don, I've seen these things. Don, They're super cool. Don, you, your 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 idea's falling through because Venonat is really hairy, man. <laughs> we just cover the fact that Frost Moth, that uh, Snom is a subtropical caterpillar and Frost Moth is an Arctic Moth. So, like... Right, also, I just looked up what Tiger Moths are and I saw one of these, like, yesterday. These things are really cool. I didn't know that's what it was. Well, I wonder if I've ever seen one, then. Probably. You've probably seen one that's not as cool looking <laughs> it's also apparently a british biplane from the 1930s is a tiger just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what we needed to know on this show thanks don you're welcome <laughs> we're all smarter today <laughs> so butterfree though um it's based off of a a black veined white butterfly which i looked this one up and this is a it's from like like um like north northern africa all the way across like to Siberia and Japan. Like it's a large family. But yeah, they they have these very large white wingspans, but they have like these white veins drawn throughout it. I mean it and, and their wings are also translucent, which is really cool. And I think that that's why it kind of really fits butterfree there. You know, the the wings, I, I think you looked at it too, Don. Did you uh It does have some 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 butterfree energy. The wings yeah. especially. Now I think that that's very interesting. Now, I, I do want to ask a question here while we're talking about butterflies and we have you here. I was taught years ago, I worked at a, a, a summer camp, a science camp. I was taught to never touch a butterfly or moth because of the wings. Is that like a thing? I mean, you they are very delicate, so you probably could damage them. And then they they're sprayed, they're like survival would go way down if they have damaged wings. So it's probably a good idea to not try and touch their wings. Because I say, I was taught um, that it like... Uh, was it like the if you rub the scales off or the scales get damaged, yeah. they don't fly as well? Yeah, that's what I was taught. Yeah, I'm not sure about that because I don't... <laughs> I can't follow why that would matter physiology, but I do know that butterfly and moth wings well, are these? They're like th their scales should rub off, anyways. Yeah, they do. They they just come off on everything. You're probably hurting their game though if they just don't look as good. <laughs> they only exist for like ten days to mate anyway, so like just be a jerk move to rub their scales off. It super hurt their game. More important thing is that like the wings tear super easily, which is why pinning them for collections is such a pain. Well, yeah. like not only are you pinning an animal. <laughs> I mean, they're already dead. I mean, they're dead. But don't you like have to kill them to pin them? Um, if you count them alive, then yeah. 
<laughs> if you found him dead, then no. <laughs> but you're not you're not pinning him alive is the point. I feel like I am. Have you ever seen there was uh, an old SNL sketch with Will Ferrell where he would be Harry Carey, but it would be Harry Carey learning about science. <laughs> I feel I feel like that's me. I guess that said, is there anything else you'd want to share about Butterfly or Moss that we should tell our listeners or that they would like to know? I mean, just in general, if you're interested in trying to help conserve butterflies and moths, because don't discount the importance of moths. There's First off, there's more of them than butterflies. Although butterflies are probably the kind of insects that have some of the most kind of protections for being endangered species yeah they've got some good pr i think yeah <laughs> so it's like like the pandas yeah we're like you're like hey there's other animals that are in more need but i'm a panda <laughs> yeah i would say try and i mean plant native plants in your yard if you can yeah we um in our backyard we just we just got our first um our floor the florida state butterfly is the zebra long wing and we just got some in my yard for the first time from some plants we planted last year. So very exciting. That's cool, man. Oh, real quick, real quick. If there was one butterfly slash moth that could be made into a Pokemon, which one would you pick? I mean, I'm going to be really basic and, I'm gonna be really basic and say a monarch. <laughs> Honestly? It's kind of stunning there isn't a monarch. <laughs> yeah, that's like a, one of the most iconic butterflies. Wait, You're right. But could it be a bug dark type? Because it's a villain? Oh, it's a, <laughs> It could be bug poison, if anything. It's uh no, no bug dark. But they're poisonous. it's a villain. It's a villain. Why Wait. is it a villain? <sighs> because Guys. it's the bad guy in the Godzilla movies. No Venture Brothers. Oh, <laughs> that's literally the arch nemesis in the in the, in the, in the, in the show Venture Brothers is the monarch. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought bug poison because they're like poisonous. <laughs> no, they are poisonous. Yeah, you should you should never eat them, boys and girls. Eat them. <laughs> The prettier the colors an animal is, the better it tastes. Boys and girls eat it. <laughs> Don't listen to him. I'm giving you my my parent advisory warning. Well, Lydia, thank you so much, and I look forward to, to talking thank with you, you and seeing you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we'll talk Always to you next time. One. What a great interview that was. It was. I the, I find her to be delightful, uh, and I appreciate her coming on. And I guess we haven't announced this yet, have have you and I? Um, some of our past guests will be coming on as more consistent guests and commentators um, to talk about topics that we are not as knowledgeable on. But anyways, thank you guys for coming. Um, seriously, stay strong. You guys aren't in this alone. Remember, you know, come come to our Discord. We're there. If Don's not there, sometimes Chris is there. I am almost always there because I have it hooked up to my phone. Uh, and there's a lot of our fans and and, uh, and and guests who are there. Come hang out. Legitimately, come hang out. You know, we're happy to hang out with you guys. And, you know, you guys don't have to feel alone during all this. I know this is a hard time for a lot of people. So, you know, that said, uh, I do want to end this with one final note. Cameraman Chris put out his first video. Uh, it is the first video. We, you know, we'll be making some slight changes for the next one, but I liked it a lot. And it is up on YouTube or our Facebook page, so you can check it out that way. Um, you can find it on Twitter, or you can go uh, search for Pokey Science on YouTube. 
uh, we did create a new account. So hopefully you guys check it out, take a watch, and Chris will be adding more videos. Uh, the, the goal is to do two a month. So And they're going to start lining up with the episodes that Don and I are doing. Yes. I think you guys are going to like them. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I know he's catching up on a turtle one, and I can't wait to see turtles. Especially after you guys made me and my children look up that, that turtle that runs really fast. Yes, turtles are I don't cool. remember what it was. I don't remember either. Yeah. Yeah, it went really fast, and, and Haley loved it. So on that said, thank you, everyone. Goodbye. We will see you in the next episode. We love you all. And remember, you're not alone. You are not.